One of the good things that has happened in recent days, you've probably heard, but if you haven't, you should hear, is that we've restored, uh, reactivated Wednesday night dinners together. We're like the early church, breaking bread. They did it from house to house. We're doing it in this house, and it is good just to gather together around tables and to share life together and to eat together. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but one of my very favorite uh, parts of eating is bread. I, I love bread. There's a barbecue place on the lake in Austin, and I go there just for the bread. I mean, the barbecue is a bonus, but the bread and the uh, honey butter is why I go, which made me wonder, do you ever wonder? So we say things, this is the best thing since sliced bread. What was uh, the best thing before sliced bread? I just wonder. It sounds like it changed everything, and I, I'm just curious about that sometimes. And, you know, when my family returned to Germany uh, when I was in middle school, uh, we moved to a new village, a new town, Grossgerau, and my, my bedroom window looked out over a little triangle. It wasn't a town square. It was kind of a town triangle. And there was a guest house uh, sort of uh, restaurant and hotel there. And there was a department store across the street. And there was an Italian ice cream gelato place with apricots and apricot downstairs. But right below my bedroom window, there was a bakery. In the morning, every morning, this, the, the, the wonderful aroma of fresh bread wafted upward and came into my room and into my nostrils, and uh, they called them brochen. They were like little, little bread, and we would eat that brochen in the morning. It reminded me of Helmut Thielicke's story about a little boy in a town who got on his school bus every day, and every day he would drive past in the school bus and he would see this sign and it said fresh bread and he imagined what that bread would taste like and one day he just decided I'm going to get off here and I'm going to go and buy some of that bread. He had saved up his money and he walked in and he put his money on the counter and he said I would like a loaf please and the man at the counter said excuse me what do you mean and he said I want to buy a loaf of like the sign says fresh bread. And the man at the counter said, son, we don't make bread. We paint signs. <laughs> it's just a sign. And I wonder sometimes when the world comes to the church and we talk about Jesus being the answer and the hope for the whole world, if they get in here expecting that they're going to find some kind of spiritual bread which will bring them life only to discover that we are better at marketing than at baking, that we are better at advertising than at actually feeding people. So it's important as we begin in this year when we think about this one thing I do, knowing Christ, to hear Jesus say, for seven Sundays, Jesus says to us in the Gospel of John, I am today, I am the bread of life. Would you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 6, verse 25? I'm going to read through verse 35 in a reverence for our God and His Word. Would you stand with me today? 
Sometimes Jesus just says in the Gospel of John, I am, reminding us there's no predicate, just I am. We'll see one of those in just a minute. But seven times he told us who he was. Notice as we hear the word of the Lord together today. This is after Jesus fed 5,000 with fish and loaves, five little brochen, barley loaves, and uh, two fish. And, and then he walked across the water to his disciples, but the crowds found him. And this is what it says. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works of God. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Who said, if somebody tells you who they are, believe them? Well, Jesus is going to tell us in these weeks, as we draw close to Easter, he's going to tell us who he is. And will we believe him? Because that, after all, is the point. John describes the miracles of Jesus as semaya, signs. He does these signs so that people will believe. So when he transformed water into wine, it says the disciples believed in him. When he healed the nobleman's son, later in chapter 2, the nobleman and all who heard about it believed in him. And when he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish, they found him the next day and said, do it again. And Jesus said, so you don't believe in me. You want what I can give you more than you want me. Well, they say, now listen, Moses, he fed our ancestors with manna, and we were kind of hoping that you would do it again. Start the manna line up again. Let's see if you can do this. Let's prove your power. And Jesus says, so the bread that your souls are hungry for cannot be made 
in a bakery cannot be baked in an oven. The bread that you hunger for is actually me. And if you'll receive it, if you will believe in me, you will never hunger spiritually again. You will never thirst again if you will come to me, if you will believe in me. And for all of us who sometimes look at God and say, what will you do for me today? God, my provider, what will you give me? It is certainly true that God is our provider, but I came to you this morning with better news. He's not just the provider. He is the provision. It's not just what he gives us that makes him good. It's that he gives us himself and if like that crowd that was fed that day if Jesus is not enough for us we're going to spend the rest of our lives trying to fill the void in our souls with something else with something less all of our human needs and spiritual longings are met in Jesus so two thoughts this morning from this passage first Jesus who is the bread of life, finds us so that we may believe. Now, what we find in this story is, of course, Jesus will sit down on a mountain and say to his disciples, who's going to feed these people? How much money would it take? And they say, we don't have that kind of money, Jesus. And Jesus already knew what he was about to do. And the Crowds, we read it there in verse 25. They're looking for him. They, they come around the lake because Jesus has walked on the water to his fearful disciples. When they see him walking on the water, he says to them, I am. I know our translation says it is I, but I just want to emphasize the actual words, ego I me, I am. Do not be afraid. Jesus is, when we're in a storm, he, he is. And so we don't have to be afraid. And then they found him. Do you see it in verse 25? When they found him, uh, 19 to 21 says they rode their boats and they were looking for him and all of that. But in verse 25, they found him and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? But the rest of the story, if you read, by the way, it's the longest chapter in the whole gospel of John. But when you read the rest of the story, what Jesus says is, you can't come to me unless the Father draws you. In other words, um, my Father wants you to come and believe in me, but if you're rejecting faith in me, just know this. They say, we just want the manna to come down, and seven times, you notice the pattern here, seven times Jesus talks about coming down from heaven in verse 33 and verse 38, 41, 42, 50, 51, and 58. He says... The bread of heaven, I have come down. I came this morning to say to you, Jesus will find us. And he wants to feed us. But most of all, he wants to save us. And I have a notion that for a lot of people in our world today, like those disciples who are looking for another meal, we see God as a means to our end. Jesus, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. I'll serve you, and you let me live my dream, and you make my dream come true, and then I will follow you. And we're kind of like Jacob making deals with God. 
in the desert, you know, you're, you're here, I'm here. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And I just want to say, in the great game of life, God is not Monty Hall. And you're not negotiating with him today. The good news is, the bread of heaven came down. He came down to find us. He came down to feed us. And it strikes me that our great problem is not that we just don't have enough to eat. And we're going to have Super Bowl of caring out there. And you'll be able to give. Our children will have the, the pots there because on this Sunday every year we give so that people in our country, one in five children is food insecure in our city. Yes, we want to feed people, but it strikes me that for most of us, the problem is not that we don't have enough food, but that we have more than enough. And in our comfortableness, we are, we are completely dulled in our senses and our sensibilities to our greater need. Blessed are you, Jesus said, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. He does a an exposition here of Psalm 78. You can just write this down, verses 24 and 25. God rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. You know what manna means? Anybody remember? What is it? They don't know what it is. It's coriander seed. It tastes like honey. And, and Jesus just explains them. He says, you're enamored of Moses one who is greater than Moses is here. Later in chapter 8, they will say, Abraham is our father. And Jesus will use another of those I am moments to say, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is greater than Moses. He is greater than Abraham. He is greater than the things that he gives to us. And you and I, it strikes me, would be satisfied. We would sometimes settle for so much less than God has for us. And I want us to be reminded today as we hunger that what we really hunger for is God. And he's the only one who can satisfy us. He will find us. I remember when uh, I was a junior at Baylor, I had been a pastor for a couple of years, and my youth minister from Montana, whose job, by the way, was to fire missiles if we ever needed him to. He was a young uh, lieutenant in the Air Force, and he had the, uh, the keys. There were not buttons so much, but keys. And so if we had ever been in a nuclear war, that was his job. On the side, he was a young preacher out of Baylor, and he had ended up in Montana, of all places. And then when I came down to Baylor, he came down to see me one week, and he said, why don't we go to a movie? And so we went to a movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then we're sitting there waiting for the movie to start, and I look on the row behind me, and behold, a vision of loveliness. A girl I had met some two years before in that same room when she was a junior in high school and I had gone with her because my brother gave me a free ticket and paid for my dinner and, and I saw her for the first time and I thought in King James English, verily. <laughs> and I thought, who is this girl? But being shy as I am, I didn't say anything to her. But I went to Wendy's and there's some dispute about this, but she also ended up at Wendy's. And I remember seeing her, and she turned, and I won't go into all that. I've promised her I won't go into 
all that she said and I said in that moment. But we recognized each other and the next day. So 40 years ago, last Saturday, I saw her in Wendy's. This is amazing. And here's the thing. I just want to be clear. I don't remember what I ate that night. But she and I are still together. Better than the meal was the person who was in the room. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. You just want to sign up for the meal ticket, but I'm telling you, something better is here. If you'll receive it, if you'll come into relationship with me, I have something better for you. The truth is, most of us just would be satisfied if our... Um, if our material needs were met, somebody said most of us come into this world to eat and sleep and to know no reason why we were born save to consume the corn and devour the cattle, flock and fish and leave behind an empty dish. And it's never enough. C.S. Lewis said, there's never a cup of tea that, that's large enough for me. There's never a book that's long enough. We can be insatiable in our thirst and hunger for things. And I thought again about Tom Brady who apparently has the day off today. <laughs> Too soon? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but years ago, they interviewed him on television. I've never forgotten this. He had won his third Super Bowl ring. And, um, and, and he said to the interviewer, why do I have three Super Bowl rings? Now, what is it? Does he have like seven? How many? Seven. Why do I have seven Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it's all about. I reached my goal, my dream, my life, me. I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be all it's cracked up to be, said the man who reached the mountaintop and discovered he had climbed the ladder all the way to the top of the building, and it turned out the building wasn't the building that he wanted to climb. And I come this morning to say this insatiable hunger within us will never, Oswald Chambers says it, F.B. Meyer says it uh, very clearly, that the things that we hunger for in this life, Oswald Chambers, it springs from this one thing, the human heart must have satisfaction but there's only one being who can satisfy the last abyss of the human heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. F.B. Meyer, God has set eternity in our heart, and man's infinite capacity cannot be filled or satisfied with anything, with anything, with the things of time and sense. The truth is, as Augustine said, God has placed in our hearts a God-shaped void which only God can fill. Out of the awakening at Asbury, there are stories of people who refused to go to the revival and others were praying for them to come to the revival. In the book, Revival in Hebrides, the presence of God became so tangible in the Hebrides Islands when they had this awakening, this revival, that one young man was telling another that he'd become a Christ follower and his friend said, I don't want any part of that. And to get rid of it, he went to the pub and no kidding, at the pub, at the bar, somebody said to him there, they were talking to him about their ruined state and how they needed Jesus. So he said, this isn't it. So he got out of there. He said, maybe I'll just dance the night away. So he went to a dance hall, and there he discovered at the dance hall that there was a young woman who said to him, and I'm not making this up, she walked up to him and said, so if we died tonight, where would we spend eternity? And this young man, in his own description after that, said, it turns out that God was 
everywhere. And that evening, he found Jesus as his Savior. He could not escape God. I'm telling you, Jesus came down to find us. And we sometimes say, oh, I found God. I'll tell you this. He found you before you found him. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus Christ, J.D. Greer says, did not come to get us to heaven. He came to get us to God. And seven times perfectly, he says, I came down. Second thought, and I conclude with this, Jesus The bread of life fills us so that we may live. Listen to Jesus identify himself. He says, I am the bread of life. I am what you have always longed for. And I just want you to notice two things. Some people that day walked away. When Jesus said those words that I read to you before the Lord's Supper, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, it says many of his disciples walked away. Many of what? People who had been learning about him said, well, if you're going to tell us that it's about you and not what you can do for us, we're just going to have to find something else. I remember the story of Marvin Griffin, who was a governor in Georgia years ago. In one of his elections, uh, he decided to have these big barbecues all over the state and to feed the people so that on election day they would vote for him. And he lost that, that first election And this is what Marvin said. He said, and he wrote a book with this title, Some of the People Who Ate My Barbecue Didn't Vote For Me. They just ate the food, and then they were gone. And Jesus could say, after he fed 5,000, and many of them walk away, and you say, Pastor, how is this revival? I mean, Jesus' crowd is getting smaller. But I just want to say, sometimes that's the way it starts, because Jesus identifies the truth about who we are. John Piper said, the cost of food in the kingdom is hunger for the bread of heaven instead of the white bread of the world. And the question is, do you want it? Are you hungry for God? Or, Piper asked, are you satisfied with yourself and your television and your computer and your job and your family? Is that enough for you? If that's enough for you, then like these disciples, you may walk away from Jesus. But I'll tell you, like the rich young ruler who just couldn't imagine giving up his wealth to follow Jesus, if you walk away from Jesus... You will walk away sad because you will never in a million years ever find an offer of life like the one he is making to us today. And that's why Peter said, when Jesus said, are you going to go away too? And Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In an earlier time as a teenager in a, in a bluegrass band in Montana, I used to sing, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up. And make me whole. And I knew then what I still know some 40-something years later. He's the only one who can fill us. 
of things we've had our fill, and yet we hunger still. And so I sit down with our staff, and I love my staff. I love the people I minister with, and I said, I think we need a revival at Tallawood. The people are telling me we need a revival, and so when when are we going to do that? And so, well, pull out our calendars, and like, well, you know, I mean, you can't do it in this month because there's, you know, there's football that month, and you can't do it this month because there's basketball in that month, and you can't do it on this time because, you know, we got this going, and then that's promotion day, and you can't do it promotion day. And I was just thinking, anybody thinking in heaven, you know, and then the people go on vacation in the summertime, so you can't have it in the summertime. And I was just sitting there thinking, can you imagine, not 10 years from now, but 10,000 years from now, when we are in the presence of God Almighty, somebody saying, man, that vacation, that summer in 2023, whoo, that was it. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to schedule a revival. And if you want to come, come. And if you don't, don't. But know this for sure, the very God of heaven will be here. Will we? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have the power to awaken us and to make us new. And Lord, we... um, We just believe 10,000 years from now, we're not gonna be talking about the score in the high school football game in August of 2023, because we're gonna be too busy talking about you. So Lord, if there's something we can do here that gets us closer to you, that gets our children closer to you and our students closer to you, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to find a way to believe in you because you found a way to find us. And Lord, until we believe in you, we're always going to be empty. No matter what the score of the game is. No matter where we went for vacation. So Lord, I pray that you would put eternity in our hearts this morning. And that we would be restless until we find rest in you. Bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. Fill us up. Fill our cup. Make us whole. In Jesus' name, amen.